2: Hey, welcome to the Hell Has an Exit Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Alzate. This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. The show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com. Hey guys, it's your host, Brian Alzate. Today is episode 5 of the speaker tape series. If you've been following these speaker tapes, I appreciate you. We're going to do a total of 8 speaker tapes. These are speakers that have influenced me in my recovery. Um, some of these guys I've met in person. Some of these people have passed away, but they all have one thing in common. They are gifted with carrying the message. Today we have Uzman. Uzman is probably the most popular speaker tape in the recovery community, in my opinion. Uh, this is one of the first speaker tapes I've ever heard very unique. The guy has an amazing way and just style the way he tells uh, his story and breaks down the literature and the steps. Uh, For those of you that are listening and enjoying these, I appreciate it. You can always reach me on Instagram at brian.thekid. If you guys have any questions about recovery, i will always there to answer them. And uh, I always do like getting the feedback. A lot of people message me and tell me how much the podcast helped them during the pandemic and um, opened their mind to start going to meetings and um, seeking therapy, helping their uh, loved one, trying to get into treatment, everything like that. So I do appreciate that. And I hope you guys enjoy. Thank you. I'm still
0: a recovering addict named Usman for hugging somebody uh, when I first came to recovery they said uh, humility is a vital part of this process and they described it uh, for me as not me thinking less of myself but thinking of myself less And. Um, Whenever this many of us get together, there may be some people who are new to N.A. They don't even know how to speak Sloganese yet. You know what I mean? And uh, addicts, by and large, come from the never let them see you sweat school of life. So you could be sitting right next to somebody in searing white hot pain. And they might not understand too much of what's going on, but they could feel that loving hug you just gave them. Yeah. So thanks for hugging somebody. Um, <coughs> I want to begin by thanking the Creator, Almighty God, for cherishing me, sustaining me, guiding me in my recovery, and showing me how to live. I always credit God for bringing me to Narcotics Anonymous, and I credit Narcotics Anonymous for giving me a much more richer, fuller appreciation of the God of my understanding. A few housekeeping things, I want to thank Terry right there, and Rodney, and And you know, a lot of times they talk about thankless service, right? But service doesn't have to be thankless. Let's right now thank anybody and everybody who had anything whatsoever to do with putting on this fine convention. And I've heard a lot of different uh, people speak here at this convention. and um, you know, um, in the work on on page 119, it talks about how um, there are many ways of carrying a the message. There are many different styles. And uh, it talks about how some of us can get very honest. Some of us are very good in service. Some of us have a sparkling sense of humor. and Some of us have the capacity to speak in what they term no uncertain terms.
1: Right? <laughs>
0: in other words, I curse. <laughs> and I don't want anybody to leave here and if you get asked, how was that uh, Usman fella? Don't say words to the effect of rarely have I heard such a beautiful exposition of the vagaries of addiction. <laughs> with particular emphasis on the narcotics anonymous modality of recovery, (laughs) except for an apparent inability on behalf of the speaker to avoid the propensity to prolifically profanate his English. times when I will be describing a very low-down, stank disease in no uncertain terms, you know. And if you're confused about what no uncertain terms is, it's, it's the difference between if uh, you ask, uh, how's Usman doing in the hospital? I say, well, you know, his, his condition has been vacillating between guarded and critical. Or, how's Usman doing in the hospital? He's fucked up. <laughs> See me and I die. You can't be heard to complain because the person's gonna tell. I told you he's fucked up. (laughs) Um, I want to say that uh, I'm using my guy's guns here. I have his literature, him and his wife Anita's literature. I don't have mine, so. I might not, I'm more conversant with mine. You know how you have your stuff all hooked up, marked up, and everything tabbed up? So if I get a little confused, we're going to do it Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. style. And I'm just going to say, "Somewhere I read.
1: (laughs) And we'll straighten it out
0: later. Right? We'll straighten that all out later, right? Okay? But I'm not a literature apologist. Sometimes people say... Oh, no. Oh, my God. Not another basic text quoting, literature, quoting. Joker, you gonna get up there and read stuff? Listen, if you didn't want me to refer to this, you never should have sold me this shit. Right? right. There was a woman named Dot T, and she said, recovery is like sex. That's what she said. Recovery is just like sex. If you're not enjoying it, you ain't doing something right. So I'm about to have me a good goddamn time up here in Grapevine, Texas. I came a long way to get to Grapevine, Texas, so I don't know how to do this other than to really honestly trying the best of my ability to enjoy myself. Another quote from her, she said, recovery is like waking up in a burning house, the house on fire. It don't make no difference who started the fire.
1: <laughs>
0: Whether it was your drug addict daddy, your codependent mama, your child molesting sister, your job is to get out the house. <laughs> so I'm just going to talk about how I got out the house. <laughs> Our, uh, uh, I was talking to Terry. I said, "Terry, what, what, what is the theme of this convention?" She said, "Keeping our spirit alive." Is that right? Keeping our spirit alive. Keeping—that's what I said.
1: <laughs>
0: what you drinking, Terry? <laughs> Keeping the spirit. Up, oh, a sweetie, you know that. Keeping the spirit alive. Right. that's what I'm going to talk about, keeping the spirit alive. But you know, when you come to recovery, a lot of things that we take for granted, a lot of our topics, they only make sense to us. In other words, the reason I have to stand here and talk about keeping the spirit alive is because evidently something happened to my spirit. Why would I have to talk about keeping my spirit alive if my spirit was still intact? Hmm? In the beginning... When I was born, for a while I lived in what you could call the Edenic state. Like I was in the Garden of Eden. Life was just wonderful. I still had God's breath on me. I'm talking about a time and I can remember a time. I can actually remember a time when life was just wonderful. I still was in touch with my God given birthright. I could find no reason not to be happy. Okay, you're with me? Okay, I was just a happy ass little boy. Straight up and down happy. Happy, 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 happy. <laughs> just happy. Remind you of an old Stevie Wonder record which said, Listen to children's laughter remind you how it used to be. With with a child's heart, go forth and face the worries of the day. I'm talking about before you was black happy. Before you was white happy. You understand that kind of happiness? Before you knew gender, it didn't make a difference if you was a boy or girl. You didn't know straight, gay. You didn't know nothing. You didn't need special toys to play with like the kids today. Every little kid you see is... You didn't need none of that shit. played, you did shit like you you made mud pies, just whatever was there, you worked with that, just straight up happy, you know, didn't know gender, let me see what you got, I'll show you what I got, you know,
1: just happy, right,
0: and I remember that, I remember, I remember being happy, life was just wonderful, remember when you just looked at life with wonder and wow, this is great, you know, and it stayed like that for about five years, at least least until I went to school. No, for real. I remember, I remember going to school and, and, and I was sitting behind a little girl and her name was Mary Ann. Here's what you need to know about Mary Ann. She had the most glorious, beautiful, golden pigtails. I had never seen that texture of hair in my home. And so, (laughs) I never seen that. I said, that's 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 deep. I reached out and I touched one of her little golden pigtails whereupon she turned around and she said, if you don't get your little nigger hands off my pigtails, you better. And I said, all right. (laughs) I mean, yo, yo, stick with me, stick with me now with this because I, I went up to the teacher and I said, Miss Tremaglosy, uh, uh Marianne used a word that I missed, and maybe I was out when you went over the word because <laughs> it to me. What does it mean? And she said, well, What was the word? I said, well she she called me a nigger and I don't she said oh nigger yeah well don't worry about that. It was my matter of fact you come from a long line of niggers. <laughs> Okie dokie. And I went home, and my mother used to ask me, "She how was school today?'" I said, "Wonderful, yes." She said, "Did you learn anything?" I said, "Absolutely." (laughs) What did you learn? I said, "Well, I learned that I'm a nigger. You're a nigger too." (laughs) Now, now, I got a point. I got a point. I'm trying to get to this point because this is my earliest recollection. Because this when, that's when I got turned.
1: Right, that's right. Let's yeah. stick with this.
0: This is a serious point I'm trying to make. That's when I got turned around. Yeah. That's when life stopped being wonderful. Because my mother said, Oh, you know what? Maybe it's a good time to give you the facts of life.
1: It's
0: yes. yes. all right, Mom. What are the facts of life? Well, you see, we're black. <laughs> 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 Okie dokie, black it is. Okay. Everybody looked all kind of different colors in my family. You know, we look like the UN or something. But she said we are black. I said, okay, mom, black it is. She said, and as a matter of fact, this is a a, a broken home. I didn't know home was broke, but if you say so, okay. She says, and uh, we live on the wrong side of the tracks. And while we're at it, we're poor. I said, mom, this is too much information. For me. I'm trying to be happy and shit, you know, are putting all this stuff on me, I'm only five, I don't know what to do with all of this, you understand what I'm saying, I'm talking about the birth of the disease of addiction, that's what I'm talking about because I'm talking about what, what happens to someone to where they, on a deep down to the cellular level, buy into the notion that they're not
1: enough,
0: huh? I mean, why would I have to reach out for somebody to give me something to make me feel better if, in the first instance, I wasn't enough? Come
1: on, man. Come on. Huh?
0: I don't measure up. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, I need permission to be happy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I got to get permission from the outside in to be happy now.
1: Yeah.
0: Before I even pick up a drug, now I'm sold on the notion that uh, I need spiritual answers to my I mean, I need mean material answers to my spiritual journey. See, and here we talk about our spiritual condition <coughs> is the basis for a successful recovery offering unlimited growth. And here we talk about by making our spiritual development our primary focus, all other areas of our life develop naturally as it will meant to all, I don't know that yet. <laughs> all I know is that now I'm being told that I'm not enough. Right? It's not like I went to school and we had what you want to be day. What do you call that? Career day? You know? And they said, little Joe, what do you want to be? And little Joe said, well, I just, I really pray that I can grow up to be Joe Pencushion. Just, you know, (laughs) intravenously using drugs all my life. (laughs) And Wanda, what about you, Wanda? Well, I would very much like to grow up to be Wanda Holstro. (laughs) Wanda Holstro. And Barry, What about you, Barry? I just want to be Barry back and forth. Just back and forth to the pop man all night long. It wasn't like that. Something had to happen. I don't care who you are in here. This is what I know. Something has to happen. Let me keep it on me. Something had to happen to me for me to buy in on a deep level to the notion that I wasn't enough. And once I did that, here's what happened. Straight up on the heels of that, I learned Desire. I'm talking about un- indifri- I'm just talking about indiscriminate desire. See, because it doesn't matter. I'm an addict to the core. It doesn't matter what I desire, I'm in trouble. Because there's a fine line in me between desire and craving. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: My mother didn't believe in breastfeeding. She said, no, there'd be no titty for you.
1: <laughs> oh hell.
0: few flapjacks short of a full stack. At an early age, I was a few french fries short of a happy meal, right? Because the disease had me gripped up as soon as I bought into not being enough. And then it colored everything else that I tried to appreciate with my senses, right? I became a sucker for a rush. For as long as I can remember, I was a sucker for a rush. I wanted to feel good. Even let me just say this because I'm remembering it and I wanted to make a point of this. Even to this very day, I sometimes confuse feeling better with getting better.
1: Come on, yes. I can relate.
0: I can't believe I'm getting better unless I feel better. And what I do on a daily basis is just real sophisticated now. But I look for various ways in which to feel better. Just, it's just that some of them now are socially acceptable ways of feeling better. But I'm still looking, I'm still running round and round the tree looking for the stump. Anyway, I digress. So even as a little boy, I couldn't, I couldn't uh, my spirit was shaken. It talks about it on page three, on page three in, in the Just for the Day book. It says the biggest harm done, right? Sooner or later, sooner or later, we realize that our greatest need in recovery is for, no, here, this is what I am The greatest damage done to us by our addiction was the damage done to our spirituality.
1: Yeah. Our
0: primary motivation was dictated by our disease to get to use and find ways and means to get more. It didn't even say drugs. Right? And then finally, and saved by our overwhelming need for drugs, our lives lacked purpose and connection. We were spiritually bankrupt. So as a little boy, I couldn't even, I couldn't, I didn't know how to function in the world. I didn't, I needed guidance. I needed monitoring. Uh, anything I tried to do, I got it screwed up. I tried to watch one of my first. First uh, uh, ways of getting outside of myself was through fantasy. I remember that, you know? Well, actually, the first thing that I got hooked up on was certainty, right? That's why I couldn't get no titty.
1: Because
0: <laughs> my mother was uncertain of when I'd let go. So yeah, yeah. So even to this day, if I get a good feeling, I try to ride it till the wheels fall off, right? And then after that, after certainty, I picked up fantasy. And I remember I used to try to watch cartoons because we didn't have a whole lot going on back in the day. Little black and white TVs with the cartoons, and I'd watch them and and, and I'd get them all messed up, you know. If I watched uh, 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 Goldilocks and the Three Bears, I saw a B&E in New Jersey. That's what we call a breaking and entering. (laughs) into the Bear family house. She fucked up the furniture. Right? And then she tried to hook her up something to eat and she tried like the the, the hot porridge and the cold porridge. Finally she hooked up like this little porridge speedball went upstairs and nodded out. That's how she got busted. Snow White was a little skeezer on the host truck with seven little tricks. Snoopy and Sneezy and Dopey, and she worked them all.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yogi Bear was a rip-off artist with his little cocoa spirit of boo-boo. And he just went to the park and ripped off picnic baskets all day long. Ali Coyote gave new meaning to the second step. <laughs> some of you knew I was going to need that to marinate a little bit. <laughs> Let me give you some step work. <laughs> and uh, my my favorite cartoon character was Popeye. I don't know. Listen, I don't. Maybe it's because he had those big. Attic-looking arms, he looked like he couldn't get a good hit. You know, like he kept getting, he kept missing.
1: Him. Yeah, yeah.
0: With his little, with his little crummy wimpy. You know, wimpy was the original dope thing.
1: I'm glad they paid Tuesday, so I
0: gladly pay you Tuesday. Hell, he didn't have no superpower thing kind of working, you know. He was just a regular little Popeye, and and um, and he and he caught hell most of the cartoon, he just got his ass beat.
1: <laughs>
0: they changed people who beat his ass, It'd be Brutus, and then next day Pluto, he just beat his ass, you know. But in good attic fashion, he would he would go into surrender mode and he would let you know that he was going because he would say. That's all I can stand. I can't stand it I can't, I can't no more. I can't stand no more. I can't stand this stands with I I can't stand no more. And then something deep would happen. Real deep. Real deep would happen, you know. All of a sudden he reached into his stand. this silver tin which contained a green leafy vegetative substance (laughs) and he was squeezing and it would spinach would go up in the air and then he was smoking in his oh he hit that spinach yeah yeah he hit that spinach boy Popeye smoked that spinach and and then all of a sudden he would transform all of a sudden, he had self-acceptance on a deep level. He said, I am who I am. God damn it, I'm proud of Cello, man. What? What? And he turned into like this little Rudolph Vaselino character. He turned a little skinny-ass olive oil and said, well, blow me down. Too, because early in life man makes habits but later on in life the habits make the man
1: right so
0: I'm watching Goldilocks and I say look if you you know you can't find another way break in do what, do what you need to do you need something do like yogi steal it you want love do like uh, you know Snow White did with Lottie dottie and everybody and then, if things get real bad, do the pop Get you something to medicate yourself with so you can get through the day. Right? So, when my spirit got broken, like it said here on page three, I tried various means of trying to get it back. You know, I remember picking up comparison. I came from a large family, and I used to like to play up the street with, at the Miller household because there was only Billy, his wife, his, his sister Gloria, and their parents. And I can recall playing with Billy, and his mother would say, Ooh, you little know, boys, you've been playing very hard. Would you like me to get you some lunch? Little Usman, are you hungry? I said, Hell yeah, Miss Miller. She said, What would you like? I said, Get out of
1: here.
0: I remember running home. I said, mom, you would not believe what they have up the street at the Miller household. And she said, what, son? I said, choices. Yeah. She asked me if I wanted a cheeseburger, a tuna fish, a and cheese, they got all kind of stuff up there. She said, boy, get out of here. Don't act like you don't have choices. You know you can have a peanut butter jelly sandwich if you want, if you don't want that, you can have a, a jelly with your peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. You know in my house it wasn't like we had skiffy skippy jiffy peter pan we didn't have any brand name nothing we had a great big silver tub all tanker size industrial strip size peanut butter you understand what i'm saying i'm talking we had this this Non-discriminate peanut butter. It didn't make any difference whether your bread was white, whole wheat, Italian, pumpernickel, or rye. Talking guaranteed to fuck your bread up. Type of peanut butter. If you had to, if you had to come up with a brand name for this peanut butter, it would have been ludicrous. When I move, you move, just like that. sized thing of peanut butter lasted about ten generations, you know. Had, a, had a, like a big oil slick on top and you. you had to kind of jumpstart it to it. Some kind of spreadable consistency type peanut butter. Shit, so if you don't like that, go over there and hang your ass off some chunk of that cheese. That little welfare cheese in long gray box. You know? And one end would be yellow and the other end would be this color, orange and shit. Cuss ass cheese. You, you couldn't even make a grilled cheese sandwich with this cheese. You try to make a grilled cheese sandwich, you'd burnt up the bread, the pot. The only thing left with that same cheese in the pot looking at you like what? There's gonna be no grilled cheeses up in here get better and we we got we got one day uh, we got matching furniture uh,
1: I'm sorry, I'm right. I'm
0: everything matched and soon as the furniture man moved the furniture in my mother promptly proceeded to zip lock up everything and this thick ass plastic nobody's natural ass ever touched that fabric for five generations then we got carpeting in in a plastic runner ran right up the whole house straight right down the middle of the house and that's when I first learned to stay on the path and what was really happening I was being taught to love things and use people I was being taught about my, 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 my people would say we love you to death but you fuck that furniture up I'm gonna tear your ass up I love you to death, but you better not fuck up this confidence. Because stuff was hard to come by back then.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah.
0: Then it's a, while I'm trying to grow up and be a man, you know, because see, you gotta understand something. All this time I'm the undiagnosed addict. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bitch being the undiagnosed addict. Normal people don't know nothing about this. In my family, I was a first of my kind. Yeah. I don't know if you can identify with being a first of your kind in your family. All the rest of your family going off doing normal stuff, living enjoying life like other people do, and you stand out by yourself because you are a first of your kind. Right? I'll give you an example. My mother was a very spiritual, religious, churchy woman. She... God bless you. Just she just every other word was God, you know, and uh, you could do anything. And she said, Well, you know, so and so did this. this. Well, bless his heart.
1: <laughs>
0: God ain't finished with him yet. <laughs> and one day she said, Listen, could you come here, baby? I just I have need to ask you a question. I said, Yeah, what is it, mom? She said, Sit down. That's really wanna. I really want to ask you something. I said, yeah, what is it? She said, baby, what the fuck is wrong with
1: you? <laughs> but
0: I'm talking about when you don't know. Your family is baffled and confused, but you're an you undiagnosed addict, so you don't have no answer for this.
1: Right, right.
0: She said, no, for real, what exactly is your major malfunction? <laughs> I don't know. I really really don't mean to be like this I mean No, I mean, but you said you was going to go pay the bills What happened? I got in the car and the car drove itself And then what happened? I don't know, I was minding my business The next thing I know is the abracadabra drugs I don't know where they came from And you'll be serious I'll be serious, because I wasn't trying to mess my life up or anything like that. I was trying real hard to be a family man, a brother man, a spiritual man, a working man, a husband, a father. Meanwhile, this guy was created, I call him Attic Man. Well, first he was like Attic Boy, right? Because I was like a working addict, you know? Uh, I was a weekend warrior. You understand what I'm saying? I worked hard and then on the weekend, little attic boy would come out and we'd go out and play. Everything seemed to be coochie crunch and under control until he started growing up. Little attic boy started growing up. I, how do I know? Because one day he jumped out, I'll never forget it, was a Tuesday. <laughs> I said, wait a minute, man, it's Tuesday. You shouldn't be out yet. He said, fuck that. Me like that, he said, because there's gonna be some changes made around. Me. I ain't an addict boy no more, I'm an addict man. And I'm coming out anytime I get good and goddamn ready. Right. That's change number one. I come out when I wanna come out. Number two changes, you check with me before you try to do anything. Number three, change, we're not in the days of the week no more. We use seven days a week,
1: 24-7,
0: right? And another thing, later for all them holidays and stuff, we ain't in the holidays. I don't give a damn what the holiday is. Christmas, New Year's, Thanksgiving, we work all year right. Next, we don't need to be going to nobody's movies. Movies, we don't need movies and picnics and none of that stuff. That stuff costs money. and all money is my money (laughs) and my life became a living hell this is why this is why i needed to find a way to keep my spirit alive you know because i was trying everything
2: hey guys want to talk to you about united recovery project we're a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. We have three locations in Florida and three locations in California. Our facilities are state-of-the-art, luxury, and high-end. We do take most insurances. If you're struggling, I always tell people to go to a 12-step meeting, but some of us need an extra head start to give us a fighting chance. For those of you that do need this head start, that are detoxing, that do think you need to speak to a professional, please call 833 999 one eight seven seven we are working with most insurances even if you can't get into our treatment center we will point you in the right direction please give us a call today once again that phone number is 833-999-1877
0: i remember telling my wife listen hold the money lock the door you're going to hear some screaming and hollering whatever you do don't open the door the next thing you know I said woman if you don't open this door you're gonna they're going to need dental records to recognize you open this door and give me my money my disease spoke to me in my own voice I said hey man what's the last time you used I said I don't know and they said you couldn't stop You can't stop anytime you need to stop. Let's go get some of that stuff, man. Right? I tried the um, social acceptability, because I used to go to work. I could always get a good job, highly educated. Went to work in a shirt and tie, had a little attache case, drove a little boxy Cadillac Seville. I used to think that because I could drive up to the drive up tell her that meant something. Poor little teller. She said, well, hello there, Mr. Professional man. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. She said, well, that to be the full extent of your withdrawal? I said, I look quite nice. As a matter of fact, you're new here, aren't you? You should get to know me. I'm here all the time. <laughs> I drive away. A little while later, I'd be back. She said, oh, we're back again, are we? <laughs> yes, 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 we're back, we're back. Ray Charles, could see, we're back. I'm see you continue to use rules that are going to require my immediate attention. You better give me three, five, to make that 20 times as much money and hurry up. You see, I'm gonna hurry. Listen to the progression. With 20 times as much money, I'd be back in one twentieth of the time. The only difference is not my tie's all crooked, my high beams are all on. And for some reason, my jaw has a life of his own. We're back again, aren't Army? Yes, yes, we're back, we're back. You know, I can see we're back. Sister, there was anything else we can do for you? She said, yeah, lean over here and I'm going what you Just do your motherfucking job, that's what you're doing. <laughs> Ask me about having a nice day. Hell, I ain't having a night. day? not you know you can't even find these people get high with it anymore. You sit down, go, go to the bathroom, take a piss and come back, shit, still be there. Now, I can't do that anymore. i I'm like, Curly pinky Shit, I mean, you take this shit up? You think I take this no more? Hell no! I ain't having a good time. Too afraid to Don't you see me taking all my motherfucking money out of here? Where's your no people at? Shit, this is bullshit. I want to pull out my blame throw and blame her. Because the disease—it's hard to take responsibility for what you don't even know you're suffering from. I don't know how. to, All I know how to do is pull out my blame throw and blast people. I tried the Geographicals. I remember uh, going over to Paris, France, me and my wife, before she escaped. <laughs> and I went over there and they said, come on over here, we're going to see the Eiffel Tower, the Louvre, and the Mona Lisa. I said, yes sir, let's go. But you know, the disease of addiction is an is a international terrorist mass murderer. <laughs> and shit. You got over there and the French are very funny, you know, because they, you know, I don't know that one is wet, one is dry, I've never been to the thirsty club, I don't know nothing about this, you know. So, so, so they drink wine with everything. Yep. yep. You can order a bowl of cereal. What kind of wine would you like with that? Red or white. So by noon, I'm drunk. See, cause I only got high when I couldn't get fucked up. So, and my drug of choice by then was
1: more.
0: What you, what you, do? I do what you, do. what you doing? Whatever you doing, that's what I'm doing. Right? So, next thing I know, that man jumped out and Bonjour, monsieur, comment ça va? Ça va bien? the Burger Heroin? to a I've been doing a for the cocaine. I'm way over the other side of the world, high as the Georgia Pond. And I'm, I mentioned the Wiley Coyote second step piece for a reason, because I remember coming back from there, and, 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 and I was sitting watching my TVs with my wife before she escaped. I had one TV for picture, no sound, and one with sound and no picture. A new TV. I said, "What you got? Picture? You got sound? What?" (laughs) Anyway, on the picture set, this music started, and it said, "Come down to Jamaica, where we love you. Come on down to Jamaica, where the water is blue." And up out the water came this woman with a wet T-shirt on, and said, "Jamaica." I said, "Whoa, we going to Jamaica?" (laughs) We're going to lay back on the white sandy beach with the blue water and kick these habits. And we made it to Jamaica. And I'll never forget, I came out to Cabana and my wife had these uh, pina coladas, you know. And and I said, if you lost your mind in somebody else's, don't you remember uh, France? She said, but they're adorable. Look at them, they have little parasols. (laughs) with the little cherries (laughs) and forgetting that in Jamaica they use 151 rum it's the same thing they fly their jets with (laughs) but you know addicts don't need a lot of convinces aren't they adorable I said they do look rather adorable (laughs) I knocked back one of those adorable looking Peter Colada's addict man jumped out and said
1: yes mom (laughs) yes mom I feel real angry now boy
0: you were true with me. How huh? What you think you keep me behind the damn egg ball? <laughs> with your white sandy beach and your blue water? No, boy, you can't do it.
1: <laughs> you can't
0: do it. Now move your mumma clatters and get that nice big fat Jalilin Smith right now. <laughs> I was off and running again. Oh, boy. Hitting the fast forward button here. In the end, I was greasier than a gas station (laughs) mom.
1: I'm
0: talking about being tore up from the floor. Right? And I'm I'm talking about my spirit. Right? Because in the end, it didn't matter whether I got high or not. I wasn't happy with the drugs. I wasn't happy without the drugs. And I did not know where to find you people. I was in hell. Somebody told me to make a phone call, and I did it. They said, ask the man to come and get you, and whatnot, you know. Even before that, I went over, I went over uh, my cousin's house, you know, because I, I was at the end of a particularly long run, you know. And sometimes you could be running so hard you forgot you haven't eaten since Carter made liver pills. I said, oh, my cousin live here knocked on the door and said, hey, it's me. You know, I thought I'd come by, I know it's dinner time, thought I'd bless you with my presence. <laughs> and they looked at me like, Phew. They said, we'll feed you, we you can't stay here. I said, well, I don't know why you're acting like that, but.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, I'll just get something to eat and just take a little nap. And I remember laying down and, 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 uh, I woke up before I opened my eyes, and I could hear voices standing all around me. One voice was my aunt, and some of the voices were strange. She had a, she had a priest, a, a, a city council man, and I was mad. I don't know these people. And I could hear my aunt's voice. She was saying, that's him right there. The boy had a good education. I don't know what's wrong with him. I sure hope you can help him, because he got to get up out of here. And I called, I made the call, and I begged the people to come get me. I said, You got to come get me right now because, listen, I just, if you don't come get me right now, all bets are off. And the, and, and the man said, Well, we may have a bet Tuesday. That's Tuesday is way too far away. <laughs> I have no idea where I'll be Tuesday. I don't know where I'll be in the next five minutes. If you don't come get me right now, the man said, okay, we're gonna come get you right now. I said, because the thing you need, I said, you know what you say? We're gonna come get you right now. He said, we well, want us to come get you right now. We're gonna come get you right now. So, uh, what you mean, like, right now, right now? I said, well, you know I mean? I the, let me get my loose ends together. And I was the loose end. I didn't have no fans to get in order. And I remember my aunt uncle took me up to the spot, and uh, they said, oh, yeah, we, we do great things with people like him. And uh, if he doesn't make it, uh, we have a wonderful relapse program. And uh, I've heard us say, oh, he don't need to hear about no relapse program. This shit got to work for him right now. No relapse, family. We don't play that. <laughs> she said, "Which might fuck this up if you want to." <laughs> but I got that real, real, real play. The only thing I want to say about that facility was thank God for H and I. Give H and I a hand. Some wonderful people, wonderful people, and they had something I had been looking for all my life. They talk about it in the flat book, the working guy. They had this thing called credibility. Yes. Goddamn, boy, credibility is a monster. Yes, it is. You know, when you're talking to somebody who has hurt like you have hurt, who have cried like you've cried, who have felt what you felt, and you knew it, that wasn't preaching to you, yes, huh? They wasn't preaching, moralizing, being self-righteous. They was telling you out of their own experience, strength and hope, how it was for them and telling me good stuff like, listen, when you get out of here, run to an N.A. meeting. Don't stop to pass go. Don't stop to get, collect $200. Don't stop to get your swerve on and wrinkle the sheets. Haul after an N.A. meeting and sit on the front row of the intensive care unit like you just don't care, say I'm an addict, my name is Usman, and I need help. I need one of those jokers you call a sponsor, somebody reading from a later page who can help me better deal with what I'm dealing with at my stage. I need a home group, not a home boy, not a home girl. I need someplace like Cheers, where I can go and people can just look at my face and tell what I'm going through, because I don't know how to get honest yet. You could ask me, my ass could be on fire. And you say, how you
1: doing I'm all all right? <laughs> That's good. That's all
0: right. And I needed people who knew me to just to look at me and say, no, you're not. What's really going on with you? And I did that. I came, I got me a home group, and 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 and, and people started helping me. People started feeding my spirit. They started sharing some good stuff with me. I was saying crazy stuff like, you know, uh. I don't know how I feel about this recovery. She said, What? I don't know how I feel about this recovery. She said, Nobody give a fuck about how you feel. <laughs> you still trying to feel good? You wasting valuable get-high time. It huh? mine.
1: I said, Damn. They said, But
0: isn't that the horse you rode up in here on? Trying to feel good 24-7? How'd that work out for you?
1: I said, All right,
0: I get it. I said, but well, you know, I really don't think they said thinking. Nobody asked you to think.
1: <laughs> we going not give
0: you the privilege of thinking back in step 10. <laughs> right now, pick your thinking and your feeling and put them on. You can't even pass the addict belief test yet.
1: <laughs>
0: I said, what's that? You don't know what the addict belief test is? I said, no. So well, if you want to know what an addict believes, don't ask them how they feel. Because some days you the, you the dog, some days you the hydrant. <laughs> Some days you the fly, some days you the windshield. (laughs) Feelings all over the place. All over the place. You you, want to know what an addict believes? Don't ask them what they think. Got a distorted thinking process. Don't consistently make good decisions. (coughs) And please don't listen to what they say, (laughs) whatever you do. (laughs) Right? You want to know, because the proof is in the way we live.
1: Yeah,
0: right. You want to know what I believe, watch what I do. Yeah,
1: that's right.
0: I didn't know that. I didn't know how to monitor myself in accordance with what I did, mm-hmm. right? And, and I could, I've always been capable of buying my own commercials,
1: <laughs> you understand me? Yeah.
0: Thinking I'm going to do one thing, next thing I know, I look up, I done jumped out the bushes molesting my goddamn self. <laughs> I needed help. I said listen I need help worse than old folks need comfortable shoes. They said steps are the solution. Steps are the solution. And you are in the right place because we have the we have a first step that's a thing of beauty. It's drop dead gorgeous. It's one of the finest recovering tools the world has ever known. You know? First thing you need to do is understand that you have the disease of addiction. That's not your sentence. That's your diagnosis. That's what's been going on with you all this time. Next thing you're going to do is get past guilt, shame, and remorse. Guilt, shame, and remorse will kick a bone out of your back. See before you do anything, you need to get the proper foundation for this recovery thing. You need to understand that you have a disease and not a moral deficiency. I don't give a fuck what you did in your active addiction. That's what addicts do. It talks about it, it talks about it in our literature on page 57 in the basic text, fifth edition. no page 78, I'm sorry. It says, it says, many of us had difficulty coming into the fellowship. Why? Because we did not understand that we have the disease of addiction. So we sometimes see our past behavior as part of ourselves and not part of our disease. Watch this, same page, 78, in the Just for the Day book. It makes the same point, right? It says, uh, it says that uh, 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 when we used, our behavior was dictated by the needs of our addiction. Many of us, again, it's not a requirement still identifies our personalities closely with the behavior we practice while using, leading us to feel shame and despair. Today, we don't have to be the people we once were shaped by addiction. Recovery has allowed us to change. So, Sally, don't come into the meeting and say, I'm Sally and I'm a hoe. No, you're not. I mean, yeah, you got a double set of words. You may have sold a little pussy. You understand what I'm saying? But that's not who you are. The behavior that was associated with the disease of addiction—that's not who you are. John, don't say I'm John and I'm a thief. No, you're not. You may have stole some stuff, and you pick up, you do it again. But that's not who you are. They said, Come in here and you gotta you're gonna understand that you are powerless over your addiction. Don't just be running around talking about, I'm powerless, I'm powerless, i I was going to work, but the law didn't go off. I'm powerless. No, no, no. You're not powerless, you're irresponsible. Quite your job. Say, Look, Jack, the, the, the clock was broke. I'm gonna be late, but here I come. That's recovery. You know, don't run around in the name of the first step talking about, hey, I ain't used today, so it was a successful day. No, you can't walk down the street, hit a baby in the head with a hammer, and say, I ain't used today, day it was a successful day. No, you out your mind. You said jail's institution's and in deaths. You could get killed hitting a baby in the head with a hammer. At a minimum, wind up in jail. Or in a crazy house. Disease don't need drugs to jerk your life around. Huh? So you got to understand that. You have to understand. And, then you, and in terms of first step, how about learning when your first step is flown out the window? Uh-huh.
1: They
0: don't need to have a first step if you don't know when it's gone. Because uh-huh. a lot of stuff we talk about in here, like recovery and sponsorship and da-da-da-da-da, these are fluid concepts. I'm never going to reach a point where I'm recovered up with an ED on the end, where I'm a power grader myself and I no longer fit the literature. Point being, I could wake up recovering my ass off. The poster boy for recovery. Look up recovering addict in the dictionary, there I am. And by noon, I could lose my monkey mind.
1: These are fluid, in and out type
0: concepts. And I need to understand that, you understand? So I need to know... When my recovery goes, and and, and something has to happen before I lose my recovery, I have to lose my consequential thinking ability. That's the joker I was before I got diagnosed with disease and addiction. I make the best of plans. I use stuff, crazy shit like shit, willpower, really self-determination. I am not going to use today, goddammit! Swear to God I'm not going to use today. Next thing you know, I'll be sitting on the side of the bed, busted, dusted, totally disgusted. Can't believe I did it again. Why? Because I had no consequential thinking ability. Today, the first step gives me consequential thinking ability. You understand? Yeah. And then I need to work a second step. I need to work a second step so I can come to believe, and that's a process. A process is like breathing. No matter how much I breathe yesterday, I better Take a few gulps of air today, <laughs> and if I want to be here tomorrow, it's suggested that I take a few fresh gulps of air tomorrow. <laughs> that's what we call breathing. And the same thing holds true for recovery, because there's a very special a special process I'm trying to get with in the second step. Right, I'm trying to develop something that's crucial to my recovery. I'm trying to develop the gift of discrimination. There's a lot of powers out here, and I'm trying to be able to discriminate what's good for me from what's bad for me. You understand what I'm saying? Because a lot of times I can't tell. Because I told you I confuse feeling good with feeling better with getting better. Right? So a lot of times, just because I feel better, it won't be till I stop feeling better and the euphoria wears off and say, that wasn't too bright. Yeah, you did all that without drugs too, didn't you? Yeah. So I need to give the discrimination. I need to keep coming back till I get to a point where I've done something, like they describe it in the third step, they call it tremendous, revolutionary, momentous, monumental shift, right, to where now I really realize what my greatest source of strength and courage is. Yeah. At some point in my recovery, I had to shift from material orientation to a spiritual one. And until I did that, I was going to be on a rocky road. You know, it's like it's like, it's like like if I'm in recovery still trying to move all the material pieces around on the material puzzle board of life and think that that's going to get me where I'm trying to go. And where I'm trying to go is I'm trying to get real close to God. Right, but I'll say more about that later. But unless I make this transformation from a materially based spiritual certainty to a spiritual certainty, I'll be like a joker looking for an FM... Station on an AM
1: dial.
0: (laughs) Don't make no difference how much you run up and down the AM dial. You're not going to get that FM station. Don't make no difference what I do in my life. I can change lovers, jobs, cars, cities, all of that. But unless I'm working on the spiritual realm, unless I'm trying to spiritually get better, it's not going to work for me. You understand what I'm saying? Right? And I need to take that into into my fourth step with me. I want to settle down on this fourth step for a minute. This was a a real important step to me because uh, I had a number of sponsors and it wasn't until I got a particular sponsor that I really got to understand the fourth step. First of all, I did not know, and maybe this is news for some people in here, I did not know that you had two different competing philosophies in recovery. Well, what are they? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) One, it's Freudian, psychoanalytical, right? Lay down on the couch, uh, 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 write about it. You can't write too much. And Get honest. Go deep. Reach down. Dredge up some old deep shit out your past. Now, mind you now, ain't nobody in here therapist and got no training to bring you back from where you might go. <laughs> They come up with it and say, pa-dow, sponsor. They might say, get the fuck out
1: of here. <laughs> oh, shit. That's an outside issue.
0: You might need some special help for that one, Jack. <laughs> but in the word is past oriented. It's always focused on the past. Right? You can never, you can write too little, but you can never write too much. Just write it, write it, write it. The other philosophy is just for the day. Gestauntish, existentialist, it's all centered on today right? And, and and it's like what we read about in, in, in the fourth step, it says we're, we must be done, we must be uh, done with the past, not cling to it, right? Um, it says uh, in, the, in, the, in the fourth step, and it works how and why, right? It says uh, uh, we don't have to be the lifelong victims of our past. It says and why are we here, right? We concentrate on recovery and feelings, not what we've done in the past. And we have a whole chapter called Just for the Day. And even in our readings, we said we don't care how much our little you handle your connections work, know what you want to do about your problem, how we can help. Now. Right? I didn't know that. And so when I first approached the fourth step, I used to make the mistake, and it tells you this is a mistake. If you're doing this, it tells you, it tells you, this is the only step that tells you what the purpose of it is, and the purpose of it is not. And the first few four steps I worked, I worked in accordance with what the purpose was not. Right? And it tells you in here which one of these is a mistake, right? It says, uh, in step four, in the basic text, it tells you, it says, listen, some of us make the mistake, flat-out mistake, of approaching this fourth step as if it were a confession of how horrible we are, what a bad person we have been, like in the past, right? In this new way of life, a binge of emotional sorrow can be dangerous. This is not the purpose of the force. No. The purpose is right there in the first sentence. The purpose of a search and the field is moral inventory, is the source of confusion and contradiction of our lives, so we can find out who we really are. Who we really are, because the honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness revolve all through the steps. One, four, seven, and ten is honesty. Two, five, eight, and eleven are open-mindedness. Three, six, nine, and twelve are willingness. In the fourth step, I'm trying to approach a new level of honesty, right? I need to understand what's really going on. What were you confused about? What were you confused about? I don't want to mention responsibility. I don't want to hear about all, you, all, you, all the drugs you used. All I want to know is what made you worship coke and dope? I said, worship? He said, yeah, if that sounds too powerful a word for you, worship just means to give your all to something. It's like when you wake up thinking about something, and you go to bed thinking about it. Matter of fact, if the term a wake up means anything to you, (laughs)
1: uh, you might
0: be getting in touch, you know what I mean? I don't care what you use and all of that crap, I don't want to hear about that. How you use and where you use I said, oh, let's talk about relationships. First there was Brenda, then it was He said, hold it, hold it. I'm not voyeuristic. I ain't no peeping Tom.
1: I don't
0: want to hear about Lottie Dottie and everybody. All I want to know is how did you confuse all of those women with God? I said, damn. That's what I said. Boy. How about the jobs I lost? You know, I had a good job. Said, I don't want to hear about money, property, and prestige, social acceptability. How did you confuse money? How did you confuse property and prestige with God? And then I started to connect the dots and see the general outline of what he was trying to meet, trying to get me to get in touch with, you know, that underneath, like we talked about in the fifth step, and then the sixth step, underneath all of the defects of character, they're all children of fear. And fear comes from separation from God. hmm If you don't have God in your life, you will be a scared somebody. Especially if you try to do it clean. So I got in touch with that man and and I got entirely ready. And entirely ready is is deep to get entirely ready to switch over to this new spiritual way of life.
1: Because
0: now I got to operate in God's time. Right? Now I got to operate in God's manner. Right? Now I got to operate. Uh, uh, understanding that if something's going to change it's going to be because God's going to do it, if at all. Because that's part of entirely. Just because you pray don't mean things are going to get better, you just may get better with things. Now you pray for somebody not to die and they die. Now you got to not put a question mark where God put a period. That's your challenge. huh? You pray for something to be removed and God say no. And that's the one word addicts can't stand. Look at two that No.
1: What
0: you mean no, God? Let me pray harder. Let me pray harder, because I can't believe you said no. And my sponsor said, what makes you think God's perfect will isn't being done right now? You still want to be the one to decide what is and what is not best for you. That's good. Can't handle a no. Right? Then I have to take a look at the fact in the seventh step, you know. Just because I stumble doesn't make me a bad person. Just because I fall short doesn't make me a bad person. I got shortcomings, yes I do. Yes I do, but you can have a shortcoming. If anybody's in here struggling with a particular issue and it seems like it's taking a while to make what you think is progress, just understand something. It's alright to stumble as long as you're stumbling forward.
1: Right, because you
0: know why? Even if I fall short today, it's not the same as before. Because if there was a time in my life I didn't fall short, I was sure. You understand? You take something like honesty. I come from a long line of card-carrying, world-class liars. I took great pride in being a good liar. You couldn't even swing with us unless you too excelled at lying. You couldn't run with my crew. You couldn't come back and say, Hey, guess what happened to me today? What? Uh, Well, I I had an epiphany, and I went to the police station, and I just got honest. (laughs) What? You you didn't get honest about us, too, did you? (laughs) You got honest? That's how far away from honesty I was. I'm talking about to where you practice all forms of dishonesty. All forms of lying. Little lies of commission, omission, little white lies, bold fake lies, stand in the mirror, practice straight face lies. Look me in the eye and tell me, you ain't lying, Usman. I am not lying. So, so, well, what happens if in recovery you fall short? Do you know that falling short in recovery is different because today... You have something that you didn't have before. You got some new values, right. principles, ethics, morals, standards to fall short from. Yeah. One of the things I'm looking for is an increase in awareness. Yeah. I still fall short today, but I'm aware of it.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm aware of it. And that's the blessing, you know? And, and, and I had to get in touch with creating harm and making amends for the harms I created. And when I make amends, I had to get in touch with making amends appropriate to the harm that was caused. For example, if I was a deadbeat dad, don't try to show up doing material drive-bys today. do try to buy love with some new sneakers and, and Nintendo and PSPs and stuff like that when what was missing was the society. Your society was missing from your child.
1: Because
0: love is time, attention, and discipline. Can you show up? Can you spend time with your child? Can you be disciplined with your child? And don't blame it on recovery. You know, I remember going out the house one day and my daughter's little eight-year-old daughter, she said, "Uh, Daddy, I really need help with my homework. I can't tell her, "Uh, uh, um, baby, you you like that DVD player, don't you? you? You like that flat screen, right? Well, if you want them to remain here, leave Daddy alone.
1: That's right. Daddy's gotta put daddy
0: da- daddy's gotta put his recovery first. Right. They don't wanna hear that. No.
1: Oh.
0: That's not recovery. You get to a point in recovery, and this might sound like blasphemy, but it's true. You will get to a point in recovery when you feel like you're in recovery tug of war. Yeah. Yes. You understand? On one one on one hand you feel the voices Ooh, saying, uh, you know what? I got to put my recovery first because you don't understand where I come from. If I'm to put my recovery first, I ain't going to tell them where I'm going to wind up and all that shit. Yeah. Then on the other side, you hear the voices saying, listen, I got a life today. You know, recovery is a bridge back to life. Today I got a life, so I don't need to. And, and, and my sponsor helped me so much. He said, listen, what's going on here is the test for recovery has changed. The test is no longer 90 meetings in 90 days. If that was the test, we wouldn't even have to say 90 meetings in 90 days. We'd just say, keep coming, father. <laughs> Make a meeting every day as long as you breathe. Sometimes, too. No, no, no. The test has changed. Now, the new test is whether or not through avoidance of my personal responsibilities, I'm actually creating my own problems. (coughs) See? I can't avoid my children. They need help with their homework. That's my personal responsibility. Matter of fact, that is my recovery. Okay.
1: Right.
0: I could be headed to a meeting my child said, I need help with my homework. That's my recovery. Right. I can't be going off to the meeting with the sink pile Howard dishes, clothes all stacked up in the corner, right. talking about I'm recovering my ass off, sharing like Shakespeare. Right. There ain't no recovery. I could be sitting in this is gonna sound like real blasphemy. Do you know I could be sitting in the meeting using?
1: All right. All right.
0: Yeah, because I need to be home dealing with them dishes and them clothes and doing homework and shit like that. <laughs> right. It ain't about just, oh, I got a new car, I'm gonna pull up to the meeting and park right up front.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: I'm recovering my ass, I see my new whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody need a ride. How about you, Big Butt Betty? You need a ride?
1: Huh?
0: Fuck Big Buck Betty. Get sticky ass Steve over there ride. You know stinky Steve need a ride. To learn to do a ten step. Do a check up from the neck up.
1: Yeah.
0: What am I doing today? How am I living today? Take my spiritual temperature today. Check to see if I'm spiritually fit today. Yeah. Yeah. Am I getting closer to my God today? I don't care what kind of icing I put on the cake. I'm not getting closer to God because that's the goal. We talk about we got to. If you listen, if you don't know where you're going, any road to do.
1: Right? And the
0: goal in recovery is to get to that point in the 11th step where you can deal with that little four letter word only, a little three letter word all. All I want is more knowledge of God's will and the power to carry that out. Right? Right? And then once I get in touch like that, I have a duty, I have a responsibility to carry a nice, crisp, clean, narcotics anonymous message to the room. Right. Not no thirsty club message. <laughs> I know where this came from, mm-hmm. but we're grown now. Oh, I can't get that off. Say, well, you know, I've been coming around since dirt.
1: <laughs> and,
0: uh, first there was the thirsty club. Fuck the thirsty club. <laughs> to be up here with a little sucker-task smorgasbord message That's right. to carry a nice clip we even have an identity statement it says i paraphrase if you can't carry a narcotics anonymous message shut up <laughs> and i know you know you know i'm frank right you all know me i'm frank and i've been around since uh Carter made liver pills. I came around right after running water, and, uh, <laughs> you know, I got two sponsors, one N.A., N.A. sponsor, and then my thirsty coach, shut up, Frank. Don't be, don't be peeing in the newcomers' ear like that. Don't do that. Oh, I'm, I'm Sarah, and uh, you know, uh, I, I don't make meetings anymore. Shut up, Sarah. You know damn good and well meeting makers make it through the storm. Now, we'll leave it up to you, Sarah, what is regular attendance, because that can vary. You know, there's only so many hours in a day. You might be able to make three meets, two meets, one meet in a week. But listen, if it's regular, you got a shot. But don't come in here talking that foolishness. I don't make meetings. Well, shut up, Dick. So, I want to close with a couple of stories. I'm gonna close with a couple of stories, I love stories. I'm gonna tell three stories,
1: y'all ready? All right, here we go,
0: all right. One of them is raunchy, so anybody gonna, you know, got thin skin, leave. Okay, okay, here's the first story. Here's the first story, right? The first story is about these two guys, they were over in, in deepest, darkest Africa on the Serengeti Plains, right? And it was a beautiful morning, and they came out of their tent. And um, off in the distance, they saw the Almighty Lion. And, and one turned to other, and he said, and, "And it was deep because when they saw the lion, the lion saw them. How they knew that was because he started slowly moving towards them, faster and faster. Whereupon, one of them sat down on a log and started taking off his boots and putting on his sneakers." And the other one looked and said, are you crazy? Do you really think that those sneakers are going to help you outrun the lion? And the other one said, no, 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 my friend, these are not to help me outrun the lion. They're to help me outrun you. As long as you keep your spirituality, as long as you keep your recovery in front of the disease, you'll be all right.
1: Right? Okay.
0: Here's the launchy one, and then I'll follow it with, with another plea. There was this uh, village that was surrounded by a thick forest. And in this village, there was nothing for the children to do. No playgrounds, no basketball courts, nothing. And in this forest were these big, Great big giant man-eating gorillas, right? So one day the kids said, "We got to come up with something to do. What are we going to do?" So they said, "I know. Let's, well, let's start a new sport. What would this sport be? Let's start the sport of gorilla hunting." Oh. Sounded like a good idea. Sounded like a bright idea, right? Okay. Right. Now, mind you, nobody had ever gone into the gorilla, gone into the forest, mess with the gorillas, and come out clean. Everybody that tried it wound up with jails, institutions, and death. Undaunted, the little boy said, are we going to do this? And they said, and you know that. And they turned to one little boy and said, you want to be first? And he said, and you know that. Why not? And he went and he got his father's gun, and he went off into the forest. And he got into the forest, all of a sudden he felt the tap on his shoulder, and he jumped. He said, oh, my God, who is that? And the boy said, it's me, gorilla. He said, I didn't even hear you coming up on me. He said, that's right. That's right. I'm cunning, baffling, and insidious. I'm progressive, incurable, and fatal. And you didn't hear me because I defy detection, diagnosis, and
1: treatment. But
0: before we get started here, I want to tell you one other thing, and that is that if you come into this forest, always resurface wow. having told you that you now find yourself in what can best be described as a hopeless de- gorilla dilemma
1: <laughs> <laughs> so he went, a
0: hopeless gorilla dilemma what is that he said well you have two choices he said what are my two choices he said choice number one is i can maul you to death right now oh, lord. he said oh he said oh lord <laughs> he said, well what is choice number two he said, well, choice number two is I can fuck you in the ass right now. Oh, yeah. Now, wait, that's the gorilla talking. That's not me. Okay, that's <laughs> the gorilla. So what? Closer to the forest edge, his mind started playing tricks on him like <laughs> our minds used to play tricks on us, you know. As he got closer to safety, he said, you know what? I realized what I did wrong. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, you know, when you used to get kicked out the spot, and you say, I know what I did wrong. I should have copped all at once. <laughs> I'd probably still be smoking right now. Oh, yeah. His mind told him I needed a bigger gun, that's all. That's all it is. I just need a bigger gun. He got a bigger gun. He went back in. Oh no. So I tap on his shoulder. The boy said, that's right. <laughs> it's me, gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you know the drill. You know what's all shit. Yeah. This time the gorilla tore him a new asshole. Lift out the forest. <laughs> dig look. Y'all watching the up. <laughs> he didn't even walk straight. Really cool. And he did like we do. He get kicked out the spot. You know, he said, you know what? Now nah, I'm mad. It's kind of like when, you know, people say, right, don't you have some place to go? Because you're going spend all your money and shit like that. you can't believe it. You're going to kick me out. You're going to kick me out. All the money I spent up in here. You're going to kick me out. You want to know what time it is? Do? do? I have some place to go? I do believe this shit. Now I'm mad. I'm going to get some more money. I'm going to show them who they fucking with, because they don't know me like that. You know? That's how he's thinking when he said, And he went and he got this big pop, laser red dot Killer for real shotgun type
1: thing. He said, I'm gorilla
0: killer for real gun. <laughs> he went back into the forest. And he took one foot in the forest and he fucked a tap on his shoulder. He said, that's right. I told y'all I was progressive. And I know you know the drill. But before we get started, I just want to ask you one question. He said, what's that? He said, you ain't in it for the sport anymore, are you? Here to what we call attic heaven. This is what this is. This is attic heaven. This is where you already been to hell. Right? We've already been to hell. This is this is good as it gets for us. This is Attic Heaven. If you make it, you're so blessed to experience God's grace and mercy, to experience Attic Heaven, and you still choose to go back out in the dead world, just remember you ain't in it for the sport anymore. Just a last little quick story. One day, the fox and the lion went to the restaurant. Right? And the waiter came, and the fox ordered everything on the menu. Fox said, I'm hungry like that. Just bring everything. I'm hungry like that.
1: Mm,
0: Man, I'm hungry. And the waiter said, all right, we'll bring you everything on the menu. What about your friend here, the lion? What's he going to have? Is he hungry? And the fox said, what? He said, is your friend the lion hungry? And the fox said, is he hungry? Don't you know that if the lion was hungry, my ass wouldn't even be here? (laughs) And the moral of that story is this, if you are in this room, right, you're winning. Because if the disease of addiction was winning, you wouldn't even be here.
2: This show is not affiliated with any specific 12-step program. If you or a loved one is struggling with an addiction, please find a local 12-step meeting. If you believe you may need detox or drug treatment of any kind, please call 833-999-1877 to speak to a specialist. This show is sponsored by United Recovery Project, a state-of-the-art drug and alcohol rehab facility. You can visit our website at unitedrecoveryproject.com.